Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13 as we continue to talk about God's love. And as I said before, once you start talking about God's love, you can't stop. There's so much to say. And uh, we looked at these verses, verses 8 through 13. And uh, the things that Paul said he knew and the things that he didn't know. Let's read this one more time because the perspective, the priority of love is so important to us. Verse 8, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know fully, even as I fully. There are three great motives in religion or in knowing God as we look at the history of mankind. And he said the first is the fear motive. The fear that we have that if we do not believe in God and obey Him that we will come under His judgment. I mentioned uh, the uh, sermon by uh, <clears throat> Jonathan Edwards on sinners in the hands of an angry God and how the fear of hell is a very important motivation. How many of you are glad you're going to heaven and not hell? Okay, we realize that fear is a motivation. And some people, that's the primary motivation. And uh, don't knock it if that's all you got. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's better to come to God out of fear of judgment than not to come to God. But the second great motive that Billy Graham mentioned is the motive of gain. And that is what I will receive if I accept God and follow His ways. And the blessing of heaven. Are you grateful for heaven? The blessing of prosperity in this life, which we know that He blesses His children that are faithful to Him. And we think, you know, I have so much to gain. And that's also a good motive in terms of the blessing of God. But then Billy Graham said, but the greatest motive is what Jesus taught us, and that is the motive of love. That we love God because he first loved us, and love becomes our great motivation to live for God and to serve him in this world. And so... We recognize the judgment of God. We recognize the blessing of God. But it's the love of God which is our great calling. This love is the reason that we have this wonderful problem, this wonderful promise in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. We talked about what Paul said he knew here in these verses. And let, just in review, if you were taking notes, you might review your notes, or if you didn't get all these points, this would be a good chance for you to get them. What were the things that Paul said he really knew about God and his love at this stage in his life? Well, he said he knew that God's love would never fail. Say amen. He said that prophecy... Prophecies would fail, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would not continue forever. He said that knowledge would fall short of God's love. He said simply, 
we know in part. We do not know everything. He said that the perfect would eventually come, which would be Christ's return. And we need simply to grow up in the fullness of God's purpose for us. And he says, as a child, <clears throat> I thought as a child and reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. <clears throat> to grow up in the fullness of God's love, how important it is. <clears throat> it's our nature to want to live by knowledge and pride, by uh, power and self-sufficiency. I saw a, a cute uh, uh, statement this last week from someone who said, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's make this short. Let's just assume that I know everything. <laughs> That's a good way to start a conversation, right? Just assume that I know everything. Well, Paul had the humility to say, I don't know everything. There's so many mysteries in life that I truly do not understand. Turn with me to Ephesians, the third chapter. And let's look at the deeper nature of God's love in terms of what's only revealed in this loving relationship that we never co completely understand intellectually. <clears throat> Here the Apostle Paul is talking about how Christ dwells in our hearts. And as he dwells in our hearts, he reveals the mysteries that God only shares with those who truly love him and want to be intimate with him. Verse 17 of Ephesians 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. May have power together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of of all the fullness of God. What an encouraging passage that is. Let's look at it more carefully. First of all, this love is based on Christ dwelling in our lives. This is something that we don't completely understand. It's a miracle. It's the miracle of salvation, how Christ lives in our hearts. I'll never forget when uh, one of our children was, I think, five years old, and she was just ready. She just was discovering uh, the, how real God was and really was opening her heart. And I remember we had a family prayer in our kitchen and then I could see the Holy Spirit working on her heart. Parents, you know how that is with your children. And so I took her in the living room and began to talk with her and share about you know, what she was thinking about Jesus and asked her if, if she knew Jesus as her Savior and she wasn't real sure. And I said, well, you know that he'll forgive your sins. And she, so she prayed to, that he would forgive her sins. And then we prayed that Jesus would come into her heart and after we prayed that prayer we just sat kind of quietly and I said well we prayed that Jesus would come in your heart where is he and she said in my heart and she told me recently that she never has doubted since that moment that Jesus was in her heart you know that's a mystery we don't understand that but it's the great miracle of salvation aren't you glad that we don't have to understand God to get saved Aren't you glad that we don't have to understand the theology of salvation before we get saved? We come. Dwight L. Moody said that when he preached the gospel, he was just like one beggar pointing another beggar to the bread. And that's it. We found the bread and we share it. That's the love of God in our lives through us. 
And so that love is established by Christ in our hearts. And I trust that Christ is in your heart this morning and that you know it. Now, notice what else it says. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? Not in knowledge, not in works, but in love. That you may have power. Now, notice this. Together with all saints, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. That, and that he bears witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. The love of God, which we experience as the family of God. Now, notice this. What a challenge. To grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Wow. How wide? How wide is God's love? Well, if you notice it's wider than your heart. It overflows your heart. The love of God covers the world. The love of God covers the multitude of sin through the sacrifice that he gave. And we realize God's love is so wide that everyone who accepts it will be included. How long? How long is God's love? Well, let's start out with eternal. And that's as far as it could possibly extend. And it's the love of God that is carried every child, every person, every believer through every generation in God. How many of you know that God loved people before you showed up? And that he's going to love those who come after you because God's love continues from the beginning to the end and it never fails. How high is the love of God? Do we ever understand the height of the love of God? Or how deep is his love in Christ? How he reaches down in his mercy to you and me. Aren't you glad that God's love was deep enough to reach you? Deep enough? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't very lovable. How about you? By nature. Not worthy of the love of God. None of us were. But God's love was deep enough to reach each of us. Well, how encouraged we should be. And just as surely as Paul said things that he knew... He said, there are things I don't know. And I want to just briefly mention these, these mysteries that we see in Scripture in terms of the things that we don't know and how truly when we come before God, we humble ourselves and we say, God, I thank you for what I do know, mainly that I knew enough to accept you, that you would save me. But I realize that there's so much more that I do not know and I trust you. Notice these seven mysteries that I picked out. Now, there's more in Scripture. I just picked out seven, which are a marvel of how God's love leads us into a relationship where we experience the, mis the mysteries of God in ways that we cannot, we cannot experience them in, in, either in, in uh, any other way. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 talks about the ministry of the gospel is really stewardship of the mysteries of God. Ministry leaders, we need to think about this. We don't understand all that we're doing. We don't have perfect knowledge. These are mysteries. We are stewards of these mysteries that we share. And only God has the answers. And here are the mysteries. First of all, in Matthew 13, 11, it's the mystery of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that there's a secret kingdom that's revealed to you that the world will never, never understand. Do you have friends and relatives that think, that, that, that you're crazy for being a Christian? Why is that? The mystery of salvation, it doesn't make any sense to the natural man. 
Only God can reveal that in their hearts. Number two, the mystery of His will. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. How He purposed in Christ and His purpose, His will is fulfilled in us. God's will. Do you know God's will? Do you understand it? We understand part, but we realize that God's will is much greater than we can understand. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, there's an interesting reference there to the mystery of God in the church. And the apostles talking about marriage and how a bride and a groom love each other and how the, 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 the husband should love the wife as Christ loved the church. And he says, and I speak to you of a mystery, and it's the mystery of marriage. How many of you have been married long enough to know that marriage is a mystery in terms of how it ultimately works? You know, Ginger and I were talking this morning even. We thought, you know, isn't it wonderful that this God's love and grace sustains us and, our, and it's so far beyond our understanding. It's a mystery. But Paul said, it's the mystery of marriage. The real mystery is the mystery of Christ and his church. What's that about? We don't understand it. We just accept it by faith. And live it out. Number four, Ephesians 6 talks about the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, pray for me that I may fearlessly proclaim the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. We do that in faith. We don't fully understand the plan of salvation. We share the best we can based on the biblical revelation and the witness of the Holy Spirit, but ultimately, it's a mystery. And by the way, stop trying to explain everything about God when you're a witness. Don't think that you have to have all the verses in the Bible memorized about salvation before. No, it's a mystery. You're a witness, and God has a way of taking your humble witness and showing a greater revelation of that mystery to the, the heart that begins to turn to Him. It's, it's a miracle every time someone's saved by the miracle of the gospel. <clears throat> the fifth mystery I want to talk to you about, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, where here the apostle speaks about, I hear this, the mystery of iniquity, how sin and lawlessness continue to prevail in the human condition. You know, most of us as Christians look at the world and say, how could it be so evil? How could there be so much sin? I hear about crimes all the time. And I, how is it possible for someone to commit that kind of crime against an innocent child or you know, something that is so obviously evil? How can this be? Well, it's a mystery, the mystery of iniquity that's in the world. We will never fully understand that. We have to take God's word for it. And ultimately, we realize that it's God's word that establishes what is right and what is wrong. Have you noticed that God isn't taking a vote on sin, on immorality, on lawlessness? The truth of what is right and what is wrong is in God's heart, and it's ultimately a mystery to us. So we take God at His word. The sixth mystery I wanted to mention is in 1 Tim Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, where he talks about the mystery of faith, which is a deep truth that we do not understand. And then number seven. This is one that uh, we need to recognize is very important in terms of the part that we know and that we don't know, and that is the mystery of Christ's return. Matthew 24, Mark 13 says, The Son of Man comes when no man knows. 
But you think you do know, maybe. You know, I, it's amazing to me how so many Christians really think they have it figured out when it comes to Christ's return. When Jesus himself said, it's a mystery. Not even the angels know. Not even the Son of Man knows. And so we leave that mystery up to God. How many of you know that's important? Uh, many years ago, Ginger and I knew a couple that were sure that they had figured this mystery out. They knew the day that Jesus was going to come. And so they made their preparation. They wanted their children who were not going to go be, be uh, taken with them at Christ's return. They turned their children over to their parents with a letter explaining what it was all about. They got their, their house in order. They went to bed with their clothes on, believing that Jesus would come that night. They woke up in utter terror that they got left behind. And then they found out that everybody got left behind. Nobody went. And I'll never forget hearing them say, you know what? God really taught us a lesson through that about how proud we were in our knowledge and how if Jesus says, you don't know, you don't know. And so we humble ourselves before the Lord regarding the Lord's return. Well, anyway, so many mysteries, such a great God. The love of God is what keeps our hearts for all eternity. Aren't we grateful that our relationship with God is based on love and not knowledge? And how God reveals everything that we need to know in order to be faithful to Him in this life and that we need to leave the things that we do not know up to the Lord. <clears throat> and so, let's read this one more time. 1 Corinthians 13, just the very end of this very important scripture on the love of God. Now hear this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. Do you love God? Do you know that He loves you? <laughs> Do you know that He wants you to live according to His love? Father, we thank You so much for Your love, that You love the world enough to send Your Son. You love each of us to reach out to us and to save us. Help us, O oh God, to be established in Christ, Lord, to be established in Your love that we would begin to comprehend how wide and how deep and how high, how long, how great is your love for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not sure of your relationship with God, you're not sure of your love and your forgiveness, you can be sure this morning. And I would encourage you to stay after and seek Pastor Phil out or myself or just about any of us here could help you <clears throat> to know that your sins are forgiven and that your name is written in the book of life and that you have a relationship with your Father <clears throat> which will last for all eternity. We want to talk with you and pray with you this morning. I want to also make an invitation to those of you who feel in your heart that God really wants you to be a greater instrument of His love. And who can't raise their hand for that? Can we just say, Lord, I want to be a greater instrument of your love in all of my influence in life, all of my relationships. And Lord, forgive me for being self-centered. Forgive me, O oh God, for preferring myself and those that love me to those who need love. And Lord, help me to be a greater instrument of your love. Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, we pray especially for those who 
aren't sure of your love and forgiveness, that they would become sure this morning as we conclude our service. And Lord, we pray you'd help each of us, Lord, to confess our, our pride, our <clears throat> hard-heartedness, our unwillingness, whatever is keeping us from being a greater instrument of your love. Lord, even as your word says that the love of the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts, we realize that you want us to be your instruments of love. Lord, forgive us for unloving behavior, O oh God, unloving words, unloving thoughts. Lord, help us to realize that this is really about loving you and loving others as you love us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you to dismiss us now with a greater sense of purpose regarding the work of your love in this world, O oh God. Even as you loved this world and sent your Son, you're sending us now, Lord, to be ambassadors of your love every time we go into the world. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>